Are you an elder or deacon in your church? Are you concerned that your pastor may be reaching a place of burnout? Focus on the Family Canada has designed a retreat for pastoral couples. Help them stay fresh and renew their excitement about their ministry in your church. Help them pause from the busyness of life so they can take time to receive from God and deepen their connection to Him. If you want to bless your pastoral couple with rest, renewal, and reconnection with God, visit carethretreats.ca. That's carethretreats.ca. I'm getting ready to start middle school, and I'm worried that I won't have any friends. When I first started middle school, I was nervous but excited at the same time. I'm also worried about getting around because it's a much bigger school. I was worried about being bullied or my locker not opening in gym class. I'm a little worried about the classes and how they'll be hard on me. This year, as an 8th grader, I get to help the incoming 6th graders. I'm excited about being an incoming 6th grader because I'll feel more grown up. Well, middle school is a time of transition. I think I heard the word worry in there at least seven or eight times. There's a lot to worry about when you move from elementary school to middle school to junior high. And we're going to ease some of those fears today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, I can remember when Trent and Troy uh, started middle school. I think it's all that apprehension. You know, they don't really have enough confidence yet. They're trying to figure out what they're good at, what they're strong uh, at doing. And there's a lot of doubt. And that's certainly true on the boys' side. I can remember, I mean, some older kid kind of hit me in the chest in a PE class because he was defining for a friend of his how well-built he was and how <laughs> and you skinny were, I you were was. Exhibit a. <laughs> like he cracked my sternum. <laughs> and then he said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you couldn't take a light punch, oh. <laughs> which made it all the worse. Yeah, but that is, that's kind of middle school. That's what happens. I mean, guys, boys are trying to figure out the pecking order and who's who and who's a good athlete and all that stuff. And uh, it's rare for a, a young man not to go through some kind of torture there. But... <laughs> It's it's great to hear yeah. what many schools are doing, like in that clip we heard where older kids are mentoring the younger kids. Yeah, like we didn't that. have a lot of that. No, out. none mentoring of that when wasn't I was in healthy. middle school. It didn't happen that way. Right. And today we want to give you some tools to help you guide your child and you as a parent through these transition phases, like from elementary school to junior high school. And uh, you may be going through that right now. And we have some wonderful guests, uh, the Cathermans, Jonathan Catherman, who has two sons, Reed and Cole. And Reed and Cole are both middle school survivors. <laughs> so that's a good thing. And uh, they have lots of great insights to share with us today. They do. And they've, uh, they've written a book called The Manual to Middle School, the Do This, Not That Survival Guide for Guys. And uh, we're so glad to have them here. It really is a, an insightful book. Jonathan's been here before. And uh, it must be fun to have his boys with him on this Yeah, trip. welcome to Focus. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> this is kind of unique, uh, you know, having a dad with his two uh, almost adult sons, right? You guys are on that pathway now. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 15. I'm 18, so I guess I am. Okay, adult. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you can vote. Yeah, okay, yeah. we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but welcome, and it is a good thing. How did you decide to, to bundle all this advice into one book for young people, uh, young men particularly, who are about to enter middle school or who are in the throes of middle school? Whose idea was it? So you remember when I was here last time where we were talking about the manual to manhood and I had written that book for my sons. Right. And shortly after returning back home and, and I was contemplating what's our next project, 
these two guys were sitting at the dining room table over dinner talking about middle school because Cole was just leaving elementary school, headed into middle school, and Reed was just leaving middle school, headed into high school. So over a couple of dinners, <laughs> it was moment. like the what should I do, what shouldn't I do, and advice yeah. was flying, and I looked at each at the guys, and I go, hey, I think we got another book here, guys. <laughs> yeah, right, no kidding. So, Reed, let me ask you, in that transition, especially into middle school, if you can reach back that many years now, what were those uh, those feelings, those emotions that you had? Reed. It's all good. Um, so going into middle school, um, so I think it was kind of stressful. It was like... What am I going to do? I'd been in elementary school. How many? Since kindergarten to fifth grade, so that's about six years. That that was where my home was. That's what I was comfortable with. Going into uh, sixth grade and into middle school, it was like it's a much bigger school. There's way more kids there. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm worried that I'm going to mess up or that I'm not going to make any friends. Well, sure. So yeah. fear is one yep. thing. You yep. don't – the unknown. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Cole? Um, I luckily had Reed to help me out. Yeah, so, so you're I, watching. I had that session of like, <laughs> okay, what do I do once I get there? So you were observing your older brother. Yeah. Parents don't always get that. No. We don't know if you're watching. Uh, I had to watch. <laughs> I was freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> and what was causing you strain or anxiety? Lockers were scary. Like, you had to put your stuff in a box that was like behind a metal door that you can't always open. That's just freaky. Yeah, and then you had to remember a combination, yeah, which you numbers. thought you'd never remember, right? Yeah, exactly. I can remember that. Also, just the, the kind of the for the guys particularly that pecking order. What I alluded to in the opening mm. is true, isn't it? I mean, it's maybe unspoken, but you're trying to figure out who who's who, what group do you fit in? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, did you have some of that anxiety as well? Yeah, I think so um, because I had a friend. Uh, I think he was in seventh grade at the time, but he was talking to me about how like guys are gonna you know find out who they are and like they'll kind of like mess around with you if, if you know yeah. right kind of yeah. what happened to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah if they think that you're weaker that you're smaller or you're a little yeah. bit different then they'll kind of like you know target mess you. around with you yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. i mean that's not it's, sometimes that's very serious so i don't want to make too much light of that but yeah. there is something about the male orientation that you know you just you're testing each yeah. other you're trying to figure out but, who's yeah. the guy he was nice to me uh, and he kind of like helped me through that and he was like oh yeah i'll make sure that nobody messes with you yeah, yeah. well you know jonathan being the parent let's go to that part why is it important for parents to even pay attention this is kind of the stuff that normally happens and do we really have to be that engaged because kids are kids and they're going to learn the ropes well these are some really critical formative years both for uh, how they are thinking and how they're acting and going through middle school. I think a a lot of it is a whole bunch of experimenting on does this work and should I repeat it and does this not work and how do I never do this again? So as a parent, to give our kids the kind of advice that we believe is going to work, but we can't force them. It's kind of like you can direct, but you can't steer for them. And so what kind of direction can we give our children as they make that big transition between elementary school and middle school to set them up for the best potential success? Now, they're going to have to give it the go. But if they don't know, often today they'll pull back and just not even engage. Mm, right. So I'm going to give them the best advice I can and, and share with them in any way I know how without forcing it down their throats so that it's their experience, not my told-them-to experience. Yeah. I think that every parent needs to go through the sharing versus forcing their kids and I would think that you've got to build that relationship so it's not just happening at, at the middle school transition. I mean, in other words, the happening is the conversation. You've got to build, as a parent, you've got to build that trust and that open dialogue. And how did that work for you three? I mean, let's really unveil it here. Did you guys have a good 
kind of communication yeah. line with dad yeah, we've we always been yeah. open with our family it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter there's no huge walls between us don't you all... think that's the ground floor you yeah. got to be able to communicate yeah. what yeah. happens in a family where there is a lack of that communication there's a distrust between the parent and the kid and there's not the ability to like talk about your feelings to the parent which is always not good for the yeah. kid it's hard and to speak then... up and like that can build up and that can crumble relationships yeah. in a matter of time you know so i'm sure you've had friends that fit that description do you guys talk Mm -hmm. about it at that level when you're sixth seventh grade eighth grade do you guys did you remember any conversation kind of behind closed doors but then once we're once like i i realized that once i went into high school that's where we started to become comfortable talking about family life and like what's actually going on and the truth not just like brushing it over like oh yeah everything's fine this happened but it's okay yeah but yeah. and a little school, more open like, i need school. help right this is what's going on here no that's good um jonathan let me go to the faith component because that plays an important role obviously the role in christian homes and uh, i guess the right question is what role does faith play in preparing for middle school how does a parent make sure that their kid is grounded how many moms let me just speak to the moms listening mm-hmm. were are fearful <clears throat> of that moment, especially when their son, and we're addressing sons today, uh, but you can apply these things to daughters, obviously. But when their sons are making that transition, I'm sure a lot of moms are going, wow. Right. So let's kind of go back and look at faith. The context of faith means you've got to believe in something that isn't necessarily always seen, and, and it can't always be proven. Now think about this. If you are consistent in your faith in your family through elementary school, and then you get into middle school with your kids, and they hit that 13-year-old age, and let's just call it what it is. It's cray-cray. 13 is the craziest (laughs) age ever. And you're thinking, what did I do wrong? Because now everything I've shown them seems to be thrown out the window or in my face or, or I can't do anything right as a parent. And don't take it personal, but to be faithful through the time. The message you shared growing up to this time, the message you're going to share as they move through those, some of those chaotic ages of their life, that, that middle school and high school time. So the context of faith, love the Lord your God, love your family, be consistent. I think that's the biggest thing. Don't try to then do a massive course change because you now have a 12, 13, 14-year-old. You've got to just simply be faithful through your process that has worked to this point and continue. Because, well, okay, raise a child up in the ways they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. Notice in that scripture, it doesn't say in the middle. It says when they're old. <laughs> if, 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 they were to, if you were to add to that, which we're not going to, but it says raise a child up in the way they should go. And when they're in middle school, they'll go crazy. And then <laughs> when they're old, they'll come back around. Yeah. But the reality is this is a tough time. So the faith component in the family is consistency. Yeah, I like that, and that's probably the best way to approach faith is that consistency so your kids see it, right? And they may not always follow it, I guess is my point. I mean, your boys are doing well, it seems, and there are families where there's going to be struggle. And, John, uh, you know, you homeschooled your kids, so that's a a whole different environment. But when uh, your young people are in public school, you're being exposed to a lot of things that maybe your faith contradicts. What about that component with mm. friends and what were some of the drama aspects of your junior high years? One thing we saw as a parent observing our boys and their friends is they begin to find their voice. And guys, you can now speak to this. Because one thing that we expect in our family is that you can say anything, you just need to do it respectfully. Mm-hmm. And agree or not agree with you, well, we'll still hear you out. There's nothing you can do to make me love you any less, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I think that plays into the component of faith to parents because that's the way the Lord has relationship with us. Think about how many times we've disappointed God, yet he loves us no less. In fact, I'd have to believe every day there's more there considering grace and, and forgiveness. And as a parent, we're supposed to be modeling that. Now, these guys take that message and go to school, and their friends are all finding their voice, but there's not always that respect factor there. Because I think we've had a few conversations yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like, it's not, like, one particular drama. It can just be, like, spread throughout middle <laughs> yeah, school. pretty much. It's a theme of, like, if you don't do something that somebody wants or if you're doing something different but you used to be friends, they're going to, like, kind of poke and prod at you if you aren't exactly the way that they thought you were that they want you to be. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah. that, that's got to be some pressure. Yeah. Social media is big pressure yes. as well. So, yeah. I mean, how do you manage that uh, with uh, your friend groups? Luckily, in middle school, that was when I really, like, Instagram was – I mean, it already started out. But it wasn't like – yeah, I wasn't allowed yeah. to have one until a little bit later on into uh, middle school. Yeah. How about Hell you, Cole? Other hand, what was going on? Um, <laughs> I don't know. A uh, little more uh, impact with social media? I mean, I didn't really care about social media that much until I got older. I mean, like, well, what about your friend group in junior high? Did they were they already diving in? All was, my friends had social media. Like Snapchat was a big thing for everybody. Right. I didn't get that for much after everybody else did. So I was kind of behind on the curve. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I remember uh, seeing in the book is that you had a group that you called the squad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that was pretty important to you. Yeah. I liked that friend group. And then after a while, kind of everybody just split off. And how did you form though? I mean, what's the genesis of that? So, um, it was just a bunch of people with similar likings. And then I, uh, met one person from the squad, and then I kind of got like grouped in, and then it just grew from there. Started out with like five people and grew to like almost sixteen mm-hmm. amount, and yeah, it just went from there. And then in the end of like eighth grade, middle way through eighth grade, it kind of just split off because everybody had different classes. And yeah, but that's a tribe that you get to be a part of. Yeah, particularly important as you enter middle school. This focus on the family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. Christians often assume there's no connection between spirituality and money management. This is not true. In Luke 16, Jesus said, If you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? This means that our management of money affects the extent to which God provides His true riches. True riches, things that are important to God, include, first, a close personal relationship with God, In Philippians 3, Paul said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Second, God's peace. God has promised his peace when we are directed by his spirit. Romans 8, 6 says, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. And third, God's joy. As indicated in Psalm 1611, God will provide his joy when we are in his presence. So according to scripture, right priorities in handling money will enhance our relationship with God and we will experience God's peace and God's joy. John Avery Whitaker is an incredible guy, but have you ever wondered what makes wit, wit? Find out in the new Young Wit book series from Focus on the Family. In book number one, nine-year-old John Avery Whitaker moves to a new town, makes new friends, faces a new bully, and solves a 70-year-old mystery. Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure is available at focusonthefamily.ca. That's shop.focusonthefamily.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. 
Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Jonathan, how much intentionality did you and your wife apply to the friend development side? I mean, these are the pillow talks parents have about. Do you, right, do right. you know? Do you know the friend Reed has? Aren't you worried about him? I mean, have you noticed what he says and does over at our house? <laughs> okay, so, so Jonathan, to that come point, on, you yeah, got to do something. Point. Here's something Eric and I did when the boys were still in elementary school. We started telling them things that that we knew would stick, and one day would would they'd have to contemplate. One of the phrases we say is "Be more influential than you are easily influenced," mm. and I would believe the best compliment a parent could hear would say, will you have your child spend more time with my son, my daughter, because your child will be a good influence on him. I've never quite understood. I don't want you hanging out with little Tommy over here because he's a bad influence. Sorry, but his name's Tommy. (laughs) No, but I I don't want you hanging out with that kid because he's a bad influence. Basically, I've just told my sons, that other child, that other middle schooler is more influential on you than you are on yourself and more influential on you than we can be. So I gave them the power. Mm-hmm. Be more influential than you are easily influenced. That means you can be friends with anybody. Right. I and, like that. And possibly influence them for the positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did that work out for you guys? How did yeah, you apply sure. that? When did that light come on that, okay, I get what dad's yeah, telling The way that they, they raised us with those uh, sayings, it just helped us find people who were, like, who were kind of close to what we liked. Like, I like theater in middle school, so I found people like that. But I also wasn't afraid of like, oh, are they into something different or something that's a little bit sketchy? No, I can influence them more than I, they will influence me. I won't do anything that I would not want my parents to not see or that I wouldn't want my parents to not hear me do. Like, I would want to do, or what I'm trying to say is like, I would do anything with my friends that I would do with my family, you know? Right. I wouldn't want so them to you be wouldn't do anything that you wouldn't right? do with your, yeah. fa- with your family watching. Yeah. I mean, that's a good yeah. axiom, and that's a good rule of thumb to follow. Yeah. Did you always follow it? Uh, I <laughs> yeah. 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 Did you always follow it? Pretty much, yeah. You know, it's just sometimes those are difficult spots. And yeah. in junior high, what typically uh, young people lack is the confidence to be that influencer. So, Jonathan, as a father, how how could you, even in addition to what you said, which is one thing, half the time, and I don't know about you boys, but half the time you're not even sure your sixth grade or seventh grader is actually listening. You know, they're doing right. something else and you think they're hearing you. But I'm, on behalf of many parents that are having these discussions with them, sometimes it sounds like a lecture and they kind of mm-hmm. turn off rather than a dialogue. Is that fair, Cole? Uh, that's fair. Sometimes. You're reacting to that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sometimes it's like I'm in a bad mood or something. I don't want to listen to what he has to say, but it's usually important. But it's just kind of going in one year and out the other, and that's why you kind of have to repeat it sometimes. Even yeah. if it gets annoying, it's still in there somehow. And then mm-hmm. you remember that, and it's how, how, Let me ask you guys this question. How, as young people, and, you know, fresh off of the junior high experience, I mean, you're 15, mm-hmm. so that's not long ago. No. What would you say in coaching parents, how can we do a better job communicating? Yeah, I think that, like, you got to uh, communicate to your child or to your middle schooler through love and understanding and like understand where they are talk to them ask them or instead of saying go do your homework or go read your book you you know ask them how can i help you you know 
what's what's giving you some troubles? Do you need help with that? You know, yeah, yeah. that's good advice. You know, in the book, uh, I think it's you, Cole. There's an incident where you did some damage to the garage door. Ooh. Or was oh, that, that Reed? Was okay, that's me. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I thought it probably me, both of yeah, you yeah, did yeah. some damage <laughs> to the garage door. Uh, we both on damage to the house, but yeah, I was a garage door. <laughs> kind yeah. of explain the garage door problem oh, and okay. what that taught you. So. For context, I was into bow and arrows, you know, shooting the bow and arrow. Uh, don't know what got into me. Thought that it would be interesting to see what it would be like to shoot or like pull back with the opposite hand. Yeah, it doesn't work well with. Doesn't bow and work arrow. well, and you shouldn't try it with an arrow in the. You know, I don't even know in what the technical area. term. You know, yeah. but yeah. it shot off, went into the garage, and I was like, I'm gonna die. Like my parents are gonna kill me. <laughs> Luckily, they didn't. But what happened was they were doing a renovation on their bathroom. So my smart self, not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went to the bathroom, got some of the like wall putty. I think it's like drywall putty, is it? Spackling. Yeah. Put it onto where the hole was and kind of like textured it, put some dirt on it to make <laughs> it blend in with the garage door, nice. you know. Uh, and then, you know, it was good for a couple of weeks. And then we were driving into the driveway and my dad was like, is that a bug on the front, dri- front uh, door? And I was like... Uh, I don't know what that is. No, there's something on the garage door. And we went up and checked, and, of course, it was the bump from the exit hole. Yeah, it was on the other side. Yeah, exactly. Whoops, what was that? Um, So then what happened? So, okay, so instead of yelling or instead of getting mad at me, I mean, I guess he was like, why didn't you tell me weeks ago? (laughs) But um, after that, he he taught me how to fix the problem, and we did it together, you know? Yeah, Yeah. and so it worked out. So dad's dad's perspective. Driving up and seeing the garage door with this dimple on the outside, I knew immediately what had happened. And we asked, does anybody know what happened to the garage door? And, of course, nobody could remember what happened to the garage door. Thank you for that honesty. So this is what I appreciate about the boys is I could see in their faces they both knew – but they weren't ready to tell me. I didn't know. I, I, no I, I don't know. Okay, so either way, Reed shows up shortly thereafter and says, I have to confess, I shot an arrow through <laughs> the garage awesome. door. Yeah. And I could see the fear in his eyes. And this is where you go, okay, yes, d- discipline, right? Mm-hmm. So it's time to be disciplined. Now, we believe that you are either self-disciplined or somebody else has to discipline you. Either way, you need to be disciplined. And so I said, all right, well, you need to be disciplined. And the discipline on this is you need to fix the garage door the way the garage door needs to be fixed, and I will show you how, and we'll discuss from there what follows. And I was thinking, okay, it's going to depend on his attitude now. Does he you know, go off the deep end and, and tell me something, I, I'm so bad for making him fix a garage door? He dove right in. That garage door got the full treatment. It looks great. I mean, he had multiple layers of paint on there and kicked the whole <laughs> thing off. It was, he did a great job. So he learned a really good lesson. Now, Jim, a moment ago you asked about confidence in his middle school a boys in middle school is confidence important it absolutely is important but how do we get confidence right i believe confidence follows capabilities so if we can teach these young men capabilities they know they're able that means their confidence level increases mm-hmm. so using I, I i don't care about garage doors i mean i do it's my house but he is more important than a garage door and I know he'd already learned a lesson about firing an arrow through the house into the garage, but <laughs> it's the, what can we do with this now? Can I teach him something to make him more confident 
through a capability, which would be in this case, repairing the garage door and also maintain our relationship. Last thing I want to do is fix the garage door and break our relationship. Let me, on that serious subject that we, you know, handled a little lightheartedly, the, the bullying issue, because mm-hmm. boys can be really hard on each mm-hmm. other, especially at the junior high age, which is what we're talking about. Did you ever encounter that? Uh, how did you deal with it? Maybe, Jonathan, from your perspective as dad, how did you even inquire about whether or not it was occurring? So let's start with the guys here. Did you ever experience it? Um, I had a couple people who were mean to me, but it was like more of trying to pick at me to see how far they could go till I got like really mad. Yeah. And I had like patience enough to not care. But there were some kids that just really got on my nerves, and I would yell back at them, like, not anything bad. I would just get mad and be like, shut up, shut up, be quiet. And nothing really passed that. But some kids were just picking at you to get on your nerves so that they could, like, be better than you somehow. Right. No, that's true. I mean, it's a tough time of life. Yeah. For me, it was more name-calling and just, like, you know, just dumb names. And so... I think that my experience with that and my uh, memory of that is just that love and um, trying to see what's going on in their lives is more powerful than hate and trying to break down somebody else's life. And so I've actually made a few friends. Um, Yeah, not naming names, but, (laughs) you know, somebody was picking on me. I talked to them saw what was going on and found out that, like, you know, they weren't having a great time in their life at that point. And we became friends. And we've, we're still friends incredible. to this day. You That's know? off on that Yeah, one. and then also just with other people. We may not be friends, but, you know, some other people, I've just talked to them uh, and it stopped because yeah. just communication and simple acts of kindness. That really jumped change. out at me is that you suggest even being kind to the bully. Yes. Engage that mm-hmm. person. Disarm them. Mm-hmm. And that seems counterintuitive to most of us, yeah. especially at that age, yeah. but it sounds like it really worked out. Yeah. Jonathan, how did you as a dad stay in touch with Reed and Cole? I, and I try to do that. The reason I'm asking the question is that I'm intentional about it with Trent and Troy. I'll ask them, especially during the junior high years, you know, is everything okay? Is anybody picking on you? Anybody bullying you? And their response was typically, you know, that doesn't happen at our school. And I'm going, right, yeah. it's happening. You may not be seeing it. But they never really came back with any experiences of being bullied, except one where uh, my older son was in junior high and, the, you know, he had a, there was a bully on the playground and he came after Trent and Trent basically pinned him down. He just said, stop bugging people. <laughs> And Trent's a big kid, so, I mean, he think that was the end of that, I think. But there's all kinds of ways to handle it. So one thing that, that we approached our boys is they are givers. They give to people who are in need. And when they would have a need to talk to a friend or message with a friend or see a friend because that friend is being bullied, that both the boys have experiences where they're giving care and comfort to somebody else. To me, that was then the opportunity to say, okay, yes, go help your friend or talk to your friend or message with your friend. That opened the door. Then how about you? Is everything going okay with you? And and then they would share if something was wrong or if everything was okay. And I think that because they are confident young men, they are are less likely to be bullied than others. And this is a hard part for many parents, I think, to hear is because they're saying about their own children, well, my child's maybe not as confident as that. That's a stage. Help them work through the stage of building their confidence so they become less of a target and become the giver of comfort to others. Yeah. Well, this has been great, and it's a, a good start. And I really want to encourage parents, particularly dads with their sons, 
to engage. And uh, Jonathan and the boys have written a wonderful book, Manual to Middle School, the Do This, Not That Survival Guide for Guys. And uh, like you said, 100 aspects of how to you know, help your young man get more confidence is just an example of that. So if you're in that spot, maybe you're a grandparent and you have that fifth, sixth grader grandson who needs a boost, this might be a nice little gift to give to your adult son to say, hey, this is a good tool to use in your fathering. That's the kind of thing we want to be able to provide for you. So uh, get a copy. We can provide that for you right here at Focus on the Family Canada. And you can get in touch, donate, and get the book and the CD that we're bundling it with when you call 800-A-FAMILY or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.